0: I'm Polly Campbell, and this is Simply Said. Hello, hello, hello. I'm Polly Campbell, and you're listening to Polly Campbell's Simply Said, the podcast where we talk about how to live well, do good, and be happy. And today we are talking about. Wait for it. Failure. How can failure make us happy? Well, I don't know if it does. But it can help us live well when we learn to manage failure and rejections and our imperfection. I think when we get comfortable with the messiness of what it means to be human, then we live more authentically. We relax a little bit. We have more fun. And that's ultimately what this show is about, right? living better in the moments that we have, having more fun, having deeper connection and love and joy and all of that. And for me, that's meant really coming to terms with my imperfections, managing rejection, dealing in a healthy way with failures. When you're a writer, there are a lot of it. There are a lot of rejections. There's a lot of failures. There's a lot of people calling you out to your face and, and on the internet about how lame you are and how terrible your book is and all these other things. So if you're going to persist in this profession at all, you got to learn how to manage it. And Sometimes I do that better than other times. But I think really being human is a lot about learning how to deal with these moments of discomfort and upset when we realize how flawed we really are, right? That's not a disgrace, that's just part of being alive. When we can redirect our thoughts about failure and flaws and imperfection in that way, it becomes easier to manage it. And then, those failures can actually become productive. Productive failure. I had a real good dose of this Like a million years ago when I was in college, I'd always gotten good grades. I did well in school. I worked hard. I expected myself to get good grades. And because I did, others learned to expect that from me too, right? The teachers expected it. My parents expected it. I followed the rules. I studied. Turned in quality work until economics. Economics people. I was a freshman in college. It was a required course. Economics 101 and 102. I had to have it to get into journalism school, which is all I ever wanted to do in my life. And I crashed and burned. And I crashed and burned (laughs) over and over again. I had a tough time even getting the C that I needed to get to graduate from the journalism school. The first time I took the class and failed... It was devastating because I'd never failed a class before. I didn't expect that to happen. I knew I was working hard. I was putting out good effort. But I don't think now that I was learning in the right way. I didn't know it then, but I don't think I was doing it the right way to learn the material. I needed to adapt and and change and, and grow. I struggled when I took it the second time. The third time I passed, I got through the course, I graduated with really good grades from college, (laughs) except for that one series, three classes in economics, and I didn't even care by that point because I was just so glad to have gotten through it. Let me tell you what, and you know how many times people have asked me about my grades since then? Zero, none. I don't know how much economics I learned. I really don't. I've worked with tutors. I went to all the study sessions. I studied all hours of the night. I went to every class and I barely got through the class and I still don't know how much I learned. But I'll tell you what I did learn about. I learned about feeling gracefully. I didn't do it the first time. I certainly didn't fail gracefully. I pouted, I complained, I sweated, I stressed not sure I did much better the second time, but it was just the beginning of learning how to think about failure and rejection. It was just the beginning of learning how to deal with those feelings of disappointment in myself and frustration. It was tough to be working that hard and still not be able to do well. That was a challenge for me. And it caused some pain, like physical pain and upset. And rejection does that too. Rejection triggers the same pathways in the brain that cause us to feel physical pain. FMRI studies where they look at the activity in the brain can see that part of the brain become activated. So the same area of the brain that passes on our sensations of physical pain, light up when we feel we've been rejected when we feel like we don't fit in. And also when we feel like we've failed, because that's really what it was for me. The grade was tough to take in the beginning, but I got over that. But when I struggled so much to get through those classes, I felt like I didn't fit in, like I wasn't smart enough. That was tough to take, right? So that's why failure and rejection hurts so much because it challenges our need to belong. It challenges our sense of self and importance, right? And when another person rejects us or we don't get the job or our book is turned down like 50 times, yes, been there, it causes physical pain in our body. It hurts. So one interesting part of this is research shows that Tylenol reduces the emotional pain that rejection causes. In a study testing this hypothesis, the rejection, we feel, mimics physical pain. And those people in the study were given acetaminophen, which is Tylenol. When they felt the deepest rejection, those people who were taking Tylenol reported significantly less emotional pain than those who took a sugar pill. There's a strong link in our brain and our bodies between rejection and physical pain. So when you're feeling heartache over a breakup, that's true. You are feeling heartache, right? We don't want to fail at anything. We want to be the best parents. We want to be the best at our job. We want to be good friends. And yet, so many ways we feel less than every day. So we need to find a way to manage this right? We often are going to have moments in our life when we feel like we don't belong or we aren't good enough to play with the cool kids and then we try to do better or we get plastic surgery or we dye our hair or we try to lose weight or we try to get the better job or make more money or what? We're always striving for something else. I think the way to a more satisfying life and a healthier life for sure is to manage the expectation of our own perfection and to get out of there right? It's unreasonable to think that me as a college-age student would be good at everything. None of us are good at everything. It's unreasonable to think that I would have outstanding grades in every class. I don't know everything. I've been thinking about this a lot right now as our daughter gets ready to go to high school, really the first time because of the pandemic. She spent um, the last term going two days a week, in very small classes. Her friends weren't there because they were on a different schedule and all these things. So this is going to be her first experience in the halls with a bunch of kids in high school and greater academic demands and so forth. And I was thinking about this. And the reality is this. I want her to have options for her life, but I mostly want her to experience her life. And I want her to learn how to move through setbacks, and how to feel capable in the face of challenge. And I don't know how to teach her any of that. I've never had a sophomore in high school before. I'm unskilled at this. And I've never raised a teenager during a pandemic before, right? So all these experiences are new. So if my expectation is that I have it all figured out and we are gonna get through this unscathed, I'm setting myself up for disappointment. Because I'm going to fail. I fail (laughs) dozens of times a day, probably more than that. But it's how I think about the failure that's going to actually help her deal with her own rejections and upsets and also make life more peaceful around here, right? Because a failure isn't a sign that we don't fit in. It's a sign that we are taking creative risks that we are engaged in our life, that we are willing to grow and learn. If we feel like we have to do the things we do perfectly, then a couple of things are going to happen. We're going to be stressed out most of our lives because we know that's impossible. And it's not very fun anyhow. Passion doesn't arrive from the things we've mastered. It's the thing that arises when we are compelled and interested and growing and we can continue to improve at it. I'm not going to master writing, but I'm sure a lot better at writing now than I was 20 years ago. And it's that improvement that has kept me interested. Right? I'm never going to get all the way I want to go, but I can get better. And that, that's fascinating to me when we are going for perfection or we are trying to be the best at something we can become so trapped by our own expectations that we don't do anything at all this is a narrow way to live creativity requires us to take risks requires us to create messes and from the messes we create a finished book or a sculpture And creativity is the skill we need in parenting and cooking and relationships, right? Because we all bring our own energy to the mix. And how my husband shows up after work one day, his mood and his needs are different from day to day. And if I'm completely responsive and perfect the same way every day, it makes the relationship not very fun. And it also isn't very helpful because he's changing. We are changing as people. So this is about learning to live with our own failure, learning to manage our sense of rejection so that we can have fun, right? The antidote to all this, of course, is the growth mindset that we can recognize failure as an exercise in learning. Mistakes aren't a punishment or a problem. They are a step closer to growth, to where we want to go. And this leads us down a road called productive failure according to psychologists productive failure this has changed the way I look at my own failure and even economics now years later while I was struggling to pass those classes I was also developing my resilience through productive failure this wasn't super fun I hated it I couldn't wait to get through that but I learned more from the experience of failing Than I did about economics because what I learned was determination. I learned about how to stand up for myself. I learned how to work harder than I have. I learned that the world wasn't going to end if I wasn't getting A's. I learned determination, and those lessons have guided me all the years since, right? With our daughter, we're talking about outcomes differently. I'm not concerned so much with her grades, I'm more focused on her effort her learning and her mental health. I want her to know her own capability and she is capable of learning anything. Now she might have to adapt. She might have to go through some challenges. She might have to stick up for herself or sit down with teachers or get a tutor or whatever it is for her. But I don't want her to worry about needing to be perfect. I don't want her to worry about needing to know everything. I want her to learn how to figure things out because then we become thinkers and we become engaged in our lives, and that learning process becomes the goal that moves us toward what we want most. Then life becomes more adaptive, right? We don't see things in terms of A's and C's or A's and F's or right or wrong. We see things in terms of, dang, I didn't pass the class this time. So I'm going to do a few things different and try to find out how to pass it the next time and try again and again. As a writer, even after 30 years, this is a constant part of the job I do. I'm learning as I go. I'm trying new structures or ideas. I'm revising it. I get failures all the time. Editors turn down my work. Publishers say, I need to see a new proposal. I need you to rewrite this thing. (laughs) Readers on Amazon are really clear to tell me what they like and don't like. When the writing fails to convey the message clearly enough to the editor or the reader, it needs to be reworked if I want to publish it. That's the bottom line, and I make money when I publish. So sometimes this means acknowledging a complete failure in the whole work sometimes it means looking at it sentence by sentence or paragraph by paragraph and recognizing that this part is a failure i didn't get there i didn't communicate the message in this piece other times it could be a, a whole chapter an entire manuscript where i'm going through and i'm looking to identify the problems or imperfections the places where it's not clear and that can feel terrible that can feel terrible. I want everyone to love what I do, right? I don't want anyone to be unhappy or feel like they wasted their time. But it's the process of taking in that feedback, hearing that which is valuable, we have to identify that too. Not everybody's voice matters equally when they're giving you feedback, right? Taking in that feedback and using it to Get the next right answer. So when these researchers looked at productive failure, what they did is they looked at biology students. And one group of students was given a lot of direction and instruction in the lesson before they had to work on the project. The other group of students was asked to read a chapter and then get started immediately on the project. So one group got a lot of instruction. The other group got very little instruction. And when it came to doing the homework, the second group had a lot more failures. Like there were parts of the lesson that they didn't know. So there were some gaps there. And then the teacher would come back and say, okay, you got this part good. Now, you haven't pieced this together yet. And the professor would offer a little bit of instruction or feedback based on the parts that weren't working. And then the students would go back to work. So in the process, they got immediate feedback for the areas they didn't do well, or didn't know, for the pieces where they had failed. But in the end, you know what the result was? It was the group who got the instruction as they went along, and had to work to figure things out that overall got the better grades and the better test scores. In the end, in a final exam, it was the second group who had to solve their way through the homework that did better and had more learning. I think about this in our life too. There are things I know, but there are things I'm figuring it out along the way, and I think the greatest skill we can learn is to do that, that we are capable. We do not have to go to Google to solve every problem. We have Google in our head. We can look at our mistakes and failures as productive, as a way of learning and growing as individuals, as students of life, in our job, in our marriages, in our parenting, in how we feel about ourselves. It's not the imperfection, or the flaw, or the failure, or the rejection that's the problem. It's how we think about it. And if we see it as an opportunity, you build our growth and learning and exploration, then it becomes more interesting, and we can move through it. Okay. The uh, research I talked about for those biology students, by the way, was done out of the University of British Columbia by Professor Sunita Charira, and uh, I think it's really useful to think in terms of failure as a productive mechanism to learning, particularly now as our kids are heading back to school. What is our expectation? My expectation for my daughter is that she set expectations for herself and work toward those, not mine, that she learned. But most of all, I want her to learn her own capability. And that means we have to be prepared sometimes to ask for help, right? We have to do things differently. We have to change our mind. We have to change our approach, That's how we overcome and get better and improve. Now, I think improvement's great. I write personal development books. I'm always looking for ways to be more engaged in my life and to think about this stuff differently in a way that helps me and makes me feel better. But that's because I'm interested in it. I'm motivated because that brings me joy. I'm not improving because I think my husband needs it or because you're requiring it of me. I'm improving because that's interesting to me, right? So... I'm not saying not to challenge yourself to learn more or become better. I'm saying look at your motivation. The imperfections are not a fault. The failures are not a fault unless you decide they are. But if you're motivated to improve, we can change the way we think about these setbacks. That's productive failure, right? Now, here's a couple of things that can help us through those because no matter, failure leaves us feeling beat up. I know that, I feel that often. So here's some ways of thinking about it. First of all, focus on the process and the growth, not the outcome. Writing a book is really about this. I mean, sentence by sentence, some days are just really hard. And a year from now or two years from now, you might see the book I'm working on now and it's it's a proud moment and that feels good when that book comes out but really I need to be able to live well during the two years I'm creating that book. So I go through it piece by piece and I really try to enjoy and grow and learn and work through the process and focus on what I'm doing today instead of what might happen two years from now. That takes the pressure off and I don't worry so much about failing. Stop paying attention to what others are thinking about you. It's none of your business. Have you heard that old quote? It's none of your business. People are going to think, people are going to hate, as we say, right? So stay close to the people who love you. And when you can handle the feedback, ask them for feedback from your partner or your parents or your best friend or whoever that is for you. And take that in and listen. But if they truly love you, there will be a compassion behind them. And they love you no matter. So it's a little safer way of learning and growing. But really... I don't read the reviews on Amazon unless somebody says they left a good one. Then I'll go read that because I was taking things too personally and it kept me away from what I want to create in my life, which is this kind of engagement. I don't want to be afraid, right? Celebrate the small wins and successes. We are clear about the times we've been rejected or the times we've failed. We stay close to those. We remember the lost games. I think we need to build in time each day to celebrate the things we were successful with in that day. I will give you an example. Last night, my family sat down at the dinner table for dinner and we had a great dinner together. We had a fascinating conversation. My daughter was in a great mood. We were kind and funny with each other. It was great. Now, we don't always have dinners like that. We have, as my mother would say, lots of loud discussions at the dinner table and lots of teenage eye rolling. So that was... Special, because we eat family dinners together all the time, but they don't always go so well. And I sat there, and I soaked that up. As a mother, that was a good moment. That was a successful moment for me, and I took that in. So don't sit on your failures too long, but make sure that you're also building in time to celebrate the small wins and successes that we have each day. And then live with a little self-compassion. We know that when we are not critical when we are not so self-critical, that we feel better. And that allows us to go on and create and do important things in our lives. Rather than getting stuck in the fear of failing again, when we can look at a situation and say, hey, this was hard, I blew it, I'm really embarrassed or I'm upset or I'm disappointed, but I'm also human and I'm going to make mistakes, but I'm going to move on and grow from them or try again, or take a vacation and come back with a clear head. When we treat ourselves kindly in the face of failure, kindly like we would a friend or a child when we are gentle with ourselves, that doesn't make us soft, right? You don't need to be that critical coach in your own head. That doesn't make us soft. What it does do is makes us less afraid, more willing to try again. We don't need to be beating ourselves up to be effective. And we are going to fail. We're human. It's the one thing we all share in common, right? We are vulnerable in that way. But from those failures, from those rejections, from those moments of feeling less than and imperfect, we can also be productive and connected and evolving. To me, that's much more interesting than anything we can do. So today's Simply Start is... Easy peasy. Think about your beliefs about your own failures and mistakes. Can you cut yourself a break today? When you make a mistake parenting, can you apologize to your kid or fess up? When you make a screw up at work, can you put your head down, take a deep breath and try again? Is it okay for you to be imperfect? And If you examine your beliefs around failure and you realize you're living under the expectations of others or your expectations for yourself are too tight and hard and keeping you back, they're causing you to procrastinate because you can't do anything well enough so you don't do it at all or they're causing you to feel ill from stress, maybe it's time for a revise because we need to show up for each other and we can't do that if we're playing small recognize that playing big, taking the shot, means you're gonna miss a few, and you're gonna make many others. It's not the failure that's a problem, right? It's the way we think about it. Now, I'm not telling you that you're gonna get thrown scared, it's gonna hurt, I got a rejection today, it does not feel good, and I'm okay, because what I've learned from productive failure is that I'm resilient, I am strong, and I'm determined. And when we have those things, we'll get up and ride again, right? (laughs) Let's practice this in our own lives. Let's teach it to our kids. Let's encourage each other to experiment and create and explore and be safe in their failures and learn and grow from them. I'm curious what you think about it. You can find me at polycampbell.com, sign up for my notes there, or uh, check out my Facebook page at Polly Campbell author, I'm all over the place, you'll find me, or check out my newest book, You Recharged. Understanding how to deal with this kind of failure and disappointment has been an important part of me avoiding burnout and feeling engaged and revitalized. And that's really what the book is about, how to come back from these ups and downs that we experience. So check that out. Thanks for listening. Really, listen, the failure is not the problem. It's how we think about it. And we can think about it as a productive means to an end. I hope you'll do that today because when we do, we will all live well, do good and be happy. Thanks for listening. And living a life by your own design. Join us as we embrace life unapologetically and redefine success. This is Unapologetically Fab. An Electric Cast production. See you there. Electric Cast. Hey, it's Tim from 50 Years of Music with 50-Year-Old White Guys. The comedy podcast you had no idea you needed. You